HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Corboni. I'm the host of Beer Sessions Radio. We are kicking off our 2023 year. This means this is our 14th season of recording weekly with Heritage Radio Network. So big shout out to HRN and Roberta's Pizza, who has been our home and studio for many years. Um, we have a special show today. I, I've heard that the drinks capital of Brooklyn is an industry city, and uh, we're with some friends here that are drink producers, and uh, this has really become a great find. I've been in industry city since 2014 in different eras. I remember when Hometown Barbecue opened a few years ago, but now we've got this kind of drinks mecca here, which is what I love to see, and I think I'm spending my whole day here with, with this crew. So let's go around the room, and we're going to introduce everybody. So there's three different producers here. Here, uh, all doing alcohol, and we're at Industry City. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Josh Morton, Paris Intense Ginger Liqueur. James Ty, Advanced Cicero. Dave Lopez, Dunhill Brewing Company, Dunhill Public House. Uh, Alice Clark, Fort Hamilton Distillery. Amy Grindelin, Fort Hamilton Distillery. Oh, this is great. I almost got lost this morning, but in the most wonderful way, ended up at Colson Patisserie, and um, I had you know, great pastries and, and, and coffee. And I saw my friends at hometown barbecue, but I just can't believe what's, what's happened here at industry city. So who, who wants to give us a little like short recap of, of the last few years of industry city and why I'm calling this the drinks capital of Brooklyn, Josh. <laughs> so, um, about 10 years ago, uh, Jamestown took over Industry City and uh, started redeveloping it. They're the developers of uh, Chelsea Market as well and um, in Atlanta, uh, Pond City Market. And um, 
one of their visions for our courtyard, which is Courtyard 5-6, um, is to, they, they could call it Distillery Row, but we have some great brewers here now as well, like Gun Hill and uh, Big Alice. Uh, they have their barrel aging room here. Uh, and then there's uh, myself, Fort Hamilton, Standard Wormwood, uh, Brooklyn Curra, which is a, a Brooklyn uh, sake uh, brewery. Um, and am I forgetting anybody? For now, but uh, and we're we're adding uh, new producers all the time, so it's been pretty exciting the last sort of five years. They've been building out this courtyard, and uh, it gets better every every week. And tell us about about barrels. I've heard about it. I've, I've had the drink. Um, I want to know about cold pressed ginger. Last week for the holidays, I, I think I made one tablespoon of of grated fresh ginger. And the smell was intense, and the, it took a lot of work just to make one tablespoon. How and why are you doing a ginger liquor? And and tell us about you coming into Industry City as well. So, um, I mean, that uh, how I got into it was because I wasn't smart enough to know it wasn't something someone was supposed to do. I think um, no, I was. It was a hobby. I actually literally was making this for friends. Uh, I would make small batch every six months and serve it after dinner as a digestif. Uh, and my friends really liked it and they encouraged me to turn it into a product. Um, and uh, about 10 years ago now, um, we were looking for a space to set up production and Industry City had lots of space and uh, was open to unusual producers. And so we started here uh, and we've been with them ever since growing. We're now in 48 states. Um, we're about to launch a cocktail nationally at PF Chang's. Um, and, uh, the way we make it now is almost the same way I made it in my kitchen, except it's actually better because, uh, I couldn't get the alcohol that you can get professionally your kitchen so I was using like Everclear which is kind of garbage and we use a really nice neutral cane spirit uh, for our product and it, it, when I was making it at home I was just using whatever ginger I could find at the grocery store and now we actually use two different types of ginger we use an organic Peruvian ginger and we use a Hawaiian ginger from China when I started this I didn't know there were different types of ginger there's Thai ginger there's Brazilian ginger there's there's all sorts of different gingers and they have different flavor profiles they have a different the, Brazilian ginger was very orangey. It was a very different color in terms of the outcome. Um, think different things like that. Um, but we settled on that that mix. Uh, and, and when you taste it, you get the, the front of the palate, the earthy citrus notes or that Hawaiian profile. And then that back of the palate kick, that's the, uh, the organic Peruvian. And so um, it's, it's an unusual case where something that was homemade was improved by making it commercially. Um, usually things that are made homemade are, are better than what you can make commercially. But in, the, in this case, I actually have uh, A-B tested between what I used to make and what I make now. And it's, it's definitely improved. So it's kind of cool. Cheers to the pros. Let's say that. Yeah. We love homebrew. We love amateurs. But just starting with better ingredients and equipment. You're, you're definitely going to do do a good product. And then what is this we're drinking? This is says intense. Yes. So Barris Intense Ginger Liqueurs is what we make. Uh, and um, it's a ginger liqueur. It's 44 proof, so 22% alcohol. It's uh, gluten-free, vegan, kosher. Um, as I said, we, we use two different types of fresh ginger. We start with 
uh, about 200 pounds of fresh ginger per batch. We do small batches. It's about a quarter pound of fresh ginger per bottle. There's no heat in our process. There's no filtration. So we sort of call it a cold press process. Um, and we take, we'll take that 200 pounds of fresh ginger. We trim it. We wash it. And then we uh, grind it up in our, our buffalo chopper. And then it goes straight into the 190-proof neutral cane spirit. And it's all done at room temperature. There's no heat in our process, which is really important because heat definitely changes the flavors of lots of things, but especially ginger. And, and then we rack it like a wine so we don't have any filtration. So the bottles are it's cloudy so you can actually see the fresh ginger in the bottle. And that gives it a really good shelf life as well because uh, there's fresh ginger in there that keeps it keeps it. So this is, you know, Inner City, it's not, this is just not just a place with restaurants and shops. There's makers here and really good makers of drinks. Um, you guys, Fort Hamilton, tell me about you. I met you guys last fall. You came out to our Big Island event. Um, we really love your, your whiskeys. Alex, you're, you're the guy with a great accent. So give us an intro to Fort Hamilton Distillery. And, and you're making your spirits here, right, at Inner City? Yeah. Just to be clear, I don't have an accent. You all have an accent. <laughs> I got the original the OG um, The Yeah, we started uh, uh, producing uh, whiskey down here uh, back in 2016 uh, at somebody else's distillery, uh, which is called Industry City Distillery, who have been around since, and have been friends of mine since uh, around 2012 when I got into the distilling game uh, by launching the Widow Jane Distillery in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Um, and having taken them through the distribution, decided to leave and uh, forge our own path, um, focusing on the original whiskey style of America, which was New York rye whiskey. Um, those are the first whiskeys that were produced in America, and they were produced right here in Brooklyn uh, in the 1700s, and we wanted to go back in on that style um, so that we could have the most authentic uh, whiskey in America at our fingertips and consequently make the most authentic Manhattan or Old Fashioned, uh, which are all uh, part of the whiskey uh, classic cocktails of America that are based on rye whiskey uh, originally. So we wanted to go in on that original style. So we made our uh, original batches here at the Industry City Distillery. In 2016, we first started putting whiskey in barrels and focused on using just New York rye grain and malted barley uh, and aging them in 30-gallon barrels. For, um, originally, the first batch was only a year and a half old. Now we're up to uh, almost five years old on our single barrel, which is our flagship uh, whiskey. And we've expanded our product line to include uh, bourbon um, and recently gin, uh, all of which has uh, taken its inspiration somewhat from the Revolutionary War. The gin, for example, is made with uh, watermelons and cucumbers because the Battle of Brooklyn started one block from here uh, in Industry City in a watermelon patch. So we kind of took our cue from that and uh, distilled the uh, watermelon and that history into the product. So uh, we kind of take our cues from the Revolutionary War. I love that. Uh, well, cheers to you guys. First, uh, uh, we went from ginger liquor to a rye whiskey. As they say, liquor before beer, never fear. <laughs> and we're going to end up with beer. Uh, oh, yeah. the, the, the rye and the ginger go really well together. And then, Alex, just tell us what you're, we're drinking. Uh, so this is our single-barrel rye whiskey. Um, this is made from 90% New York State rye grain and 10% malted barley. Uh, all of that's grown in the Hudson Valley of New York. Um, and it is aged for just under five years in a 30-gallon, brand-new uh, American white oak barrel, um, which has been heavily charred on 
gallon size is a little bit smaller than what you would find as industry standard these days, which is 53 gallons. But those smaller size barrels are actually typical of what was around 200 years ago. So that's why we chose to use oak barrels to make it as authentic a uh, recreation of that original whiskey style as possible. Um, it's non-chill filtered. We don't you know, do any additional processing on the whiskey. Just do enough to take the charcoal particulates out of it so it looks a little bit polished. Um, but um, no chill filtration means bigger texture, richer mouthfeel, um, longer finishes, and uh, again, I just think a more authentic uh, whiskey style uh, akin to what was around 200 years ago. The less processing, the better, I think, you know, old school. And then, Amy, tell us about you. You're, you're, you're the spirit of this distillery. <laughs> I work uh, alongside Alex to, you know, give him the thumbs up or the thumbs down, but I really came in when we opened our tasting room and sort of helped develop our bar program and our tour program. We offer tours on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which can be booked online, or you can just walk up and enjoy. We're now open six days a week, uh, Tuesday through Sunday from 1 to 8 and 9 p.m. on the weekends. And, you know, we just added some pool tables up for all of us to be able to use on the second floor. We're in building six. Um, and so, yeah, it just sort of helped to curate the experience. Oh, it's pretty great. So you're saying that we could come here and spend all day? Absolutely. All day. All weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but like, how does it work? I mean, I was outside in the courtyard. I got a coffee. I walked upstairs. It was Fort Hamilton Distillery. There's Gun Hill Public. I mean, this is amazing. This is like a playground for grownups. It is a playground for grown-ups. It's a playground for families, too. I wish uh, when we had our two little ones, we had a place to come like this. So, you know, there's ice skating down the, uh, the courtyard. There's chocolate available. There's great coffee, like you said. And there's supermarkets. So you can also, you know, great, get some great finds to take home with you. But you can spend a lot of time. It's a lot of, a lot of fun hanging out. Yeah, it's great. And now, and now Dave, Dave Lopez, I've known you for many years, a Gun Hill Brewery up in the Bronx. Uh, I just heard from, from you that you'd opened up here in Industry City. It's really exciting. I'm really thrilled to be here. I know it was in the works for a couple of years. So welcome to Industry City. Thank you. No, it was in the works. We, uh, we actually signed our lease uh, in fall of 2019, and we were all planned to open or get ready to open in the spring of 2020, and then we, we know what happened, so we kind of put everything on, on hold for a bit, uh, and then sort of fast-tracked the, the, the opening and the construction this summer and, and fall, and just opened a couple weeks ago. So it's it's exciting for us, because it's we get to uh, play around with some stuff here that we can't really do up in the Bronx, because we have a sm much smaller system down here, so we can experiment. We're going to be using... Mostly New York State ingredients, if not 100% close to it on most batches that we do. Um, and it allows us to, to also entertain people that don't want to travel all the way as far north as the North Bronx, which we have a lot of people that that's always been a big sticking point is, is getting to us. And so now we're in a different part of the city that people can come and enjoy everything that we have to offer, both from the Bronx and from here. Wow. So, I mean, my first thought when I'm here at Industry City, I want to try everything. Uh, it, it seems like the customers here are fairly sophisticated. Yeah, so far it definitely seems that way. I mean, you're you're not gonna come and experience all the different offerings here if you don't know what you're looking for. And so I think the, the easiest path would be to just come and and try 
a generic beer or whatever. But like, for example, here, uh, the first keg that we kicked when we opened was a smoked Telus lager. That that definitely takes a sophisticated palate to uh, to enjoy that beer, and that was the very first keg that we kicked when we opened here. So uh, to me, that that's a sign that that there is a pretty sophisticated palate, and that people are willing to go and try a, a ginger liqueur, and also come and try a different style of beer than they can find on their grocery store shelves. And James, your advanced restaurant, James Ty. I mean, I I, I love that. I, I I meandered and found my way here. The second floor, you're you're next to Fort Hamilton Distillery, and here's Gun Hill Public, and it's one of the most pleasant uh, brewery tasting rooms I, I've been to in New York. So, you as an advanced cistern, what what would you tell our listeners about about this great setup? Um, well, it, to me, um, I think it's like the most amazing looking uh, brewery tap room that I've ever seen in my life. Um, I mean, like. I I'm not biased. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, full disclosure, I, I had a lot to do with the vision of the space. Um, and I kind of uh, wanted to see it as a modern interpretation of an English pub. Uh, not at all influenced by Alex whatsoever, our neighbors in Fort Hamilton. Uh, but it's got some design elements which really kind of hard to, you know, like looking at the, the Bronx. Uh, there are pieces that really kind of let you know that you, you are in Brooklyn. Um, and there are all the elements that kind of make you feel really comfortable and i think with all due respect to to a lot of brewery tap rooms out there uh there isn't that level of comfort that you might expect when you walk into uh, a tap room and that's something that we kind of want to offer here at industry city yeah i mean that was a, a major focal point is having to be someplace where as you said you could come and spend a lot of time and so we have we haven't been able to experience it yet because we opened in, in december but we have an outdoor bar too that when it's warm out we can roll up our window and we have an indoor outdoor bar just like Fort Hamilton does. So we have this tap walk up here that will should be a great hangout place. And you can go up and down. You can, and if you don't want to just hang out here, you can go right down the stairs to Barrows because they're literally right below us. So you can literally walk between it and just spend an afternoon going back and forth, taking turns where you're going to drink from. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that you felt comfortable to be able to enjoy that experience. What if I want to get something from like a pastrami sandwich at Hometown Barbecue? Then can I come up here and, and eat that and have drinks with you guys? You can sit at our bar and take a QR code off of the menu and have it delivered to you by Hometown right here. So um, we're working on, on that with a couple other of the, the stores that are in here, the restaurants that are in here. But you can do that um, certainly at, at Fort Hamilton, too. And you're, you're welcome to bring from any place in the food court or anywhere else over here as well. We're not, uh, we don't discriminate. Wow. And what do you guys think? You know, this distillery, brewery, you know, little mecca of drinks, the the lifestyle. Alex, I mean, is, is this paradise for you? Uh, it is. It is. Absolutely. You know, you can go from one oasis to another uh, with all sorts of variation. Um, and you're not going to run out of anything to do or taste uh, if you come down here for an afternoon or even a weekend. Um, I think what's fun is that a lot of these businesses are very complementary to each other. So, um, you know, the beer and the whiskey goes together, the, the, the whiskey and the ginger goes together, the, everything goes together with barbecue. Um, and uh, we're having a lot of fun collaborating with people too. I think there's hoping we're going to get some, uh, some barrel aging uh, conversations going with, uh, with Gun Hill at some point as well. We have, we have a whole stack of Fort Hamilton barrels sitting here that. We just have to get a couple of beers in the works so that we can serve them on tap, and then the next batches are going in there so that we can uh, have a product for a few months from now that, that we'll do a big release event here, which will be fun. Okay, so um, for beer that we're drinking, 
we had one beer. It's your amber. Yeah, it's called Livewire. It's our new amber ale. Um, it's lightly dry hopped with some Cascade and Chinook. So it's a little bit uh, bitter, more bitter on the back end. So it's almost like we wanted to make a traditional amber ale, but also have something a little homage to everybody that's into the hops and a little bit more into the old school West Coast style hops that were, that were out there. Um, and this is actually one of the first beers that Max, our old but new brewer, just did um, with his own recipe up there, not any beer that we've done previously. So I think he actually crushed it with this beer. He did a really, really great job. And uh, we're hoping to see more of this out there in the, in the world soon. James, you wanted to talk through the Amber Ale? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think from a sensorial uh, perspective, uh, you get from the malt, there's a, there's a big, almost like a Brock's uh, caramel butterscotch kind of note to it. Not, not terribly cloying. Uh, but it's definitely very prominent. And I think it's balanced out by, again, Dave was talking about the Cascade hop. So there's like a little uh, a little element of orange blossom, maybe some grapefruit that's coming through. Um, and what, it was Chinook, right? Yeah. And so you get a little bit of kind of herbal zestiness as well. So it's a, it's a nice melange of different flavors. Um, and it's a, it makes for a very enjoyable drink. Hey, Gun Hill's come a long way. I remember when you first started up in, in the Bronx, you know, you had your export stout, you had the Schuyler wheat. A few other, and you, and you also tied into history as well, right? So there's a common theme. There's a common theme, and the, the name Gunhill came from the American Revolution because of the Battle of Gunhill right down the road from, from where the brewery in the Bronx is. And so originally all the beers that we did were named after something to do with the revolution, whether it was battles or people. Um, and our, our original branding was 100% from the American Revolution. It's since moved a little bit more towards a, a Bronx or New York City-centric branding, but a lot of the elements are still there. and A lot of the original beers and the original names are either uh, still around or making a comeback soon uh, to, in the next year or so. Amy, how, how does Gun Hill fit in with you guys? They're right next door to Fort Hamilton Distillery. Well, we've been working together since the beginning to support each other. You know, when people come in, not everybody likes whiskey believe it or not. Um, so it's nice to have a partner that we can just send people down the hall. We can enjoy each other's drinks and each other's spaces. There's a, an open liquor license here. So you can actually go down to Barrows and bring a drink up into Fort Hamilton. And now I think we all support each other. That's the best thing that I have found about being at Industry City, whether it's just the distillers and brewers, um, right down to the food, um, food makers, we all work together and we collaborate a lot with each other. So um, it's a family of innovators and it's a joy to come to work because I think I might just be going for a snack and I come back with the whole inspiration to do something else. You know, I was at Colson Patisserie, I, I saw a bottle of Fort Hamilton maple syrup, Alex. Yeah, that was uh, a project that I, we took on in uh, during the pandemic. Um, Search high and low for the uh, for the best maple syrup producer in New York. Found him in um, in the Caskill Mountains, uh, just outside of Grahamsville. And uh, the as I was saying earlier, the one of the rules to making rye whiskey or bourbon whiskey is that you have to use a brand new barrel each time you fill it with uh, your unaged distillate. Um, and so that's great because you get a lot of flavor and a lot of color coming out of the barrel. Uh, so you know all. Uh, bourbons and rice tend to have no additional color added to them um, because it's all kind of 
would. Um, but the, the downside of that is that A, it's a little bit more expensive to make your product, um, and B, you end up with a barrel that you can't reuse to make more whiskey in. So you have to come up with a secondary use, or you have to just trash it, which would be very wasteful, um, because they're beautiful um, products that still have a lot of flavor left in them, because they still have whiskey soaked into the wood um, that the barrels constructed from. Um, so coming up with interesting ways to reuse the barrels uh, is, is kind of fun and a uh, decent creative uh, exercise. One of the uses uh, is obviously you give to beer producers to age uh, stouts in or some beefier styles of, of beer which can handle uh, a little bit of whiskey exposure. Um, and another way is to fill them with maple syrup, apparently. Uh, it makes it super tasty. Uh, so that's what we did. Um, so we aged our, uh, this organic maple syrup from the Catskill Mountains in the whiskey barrels, bourbon barrels specifically, for um, uh, around six to seven months. Um, uh, interestingly, you would think because maple syrup is wet that it would uh, maintain the integrity and structure of the, of the barrel well uh, as, it's, as it hydrates it. But because of the sugar content of the maple syrup, it actually dehydrates the barrel. So they end up starting to leak. And as soon as they start to leak, we dump the, the maple syrup out and bottle it up. Um, and at which point it's picked up beautiful color, beautiful flavor from the barrel. Um, and it has a, an incredible marriage between the whiskey and the maple, which are very complementary flavors. Um, we use the, the maple syrup uh, for uh, the base for one of our cocktails too, at the tasting room, which is our maple old fashioned which is all New York ingredients. We use our New York rye whiskey. We use our organic New York maple syrup from the Catskill Mountains. And we're using um, black walnut bitters from Fee Brothers in Rochester, New York. Um, and it's a beautiful marriage of flavors. Um, the walnut, maple, rye whiskey. What's not to love, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, as, as a nod to the collaborative efforts uh, of everyone, all the creatives down here, um, Hometown Barbecue is actually carrying uh, a barrel-aged uh, version of the old-fashioned, uh, maple old-fashioned, starting next week. So it's a lot of fun to, to play with, with uh, yeah, the local guys. Oh, that's great. And, and Josh, look, you've been here for a while. Just tell us more about Industry City and, and maybe the mixology that you're doing with, with ginger liqueur. So um, we were one of the first tasting rooms to open, um, I think, Big Alice had opened and uh, Brooklyn Kerr was here, but we were the first distillery. And because we make our ginger liqueur, our stuff mixes with, with everything. Um, and as a New York tasting room, we're allowed to sell any other New York State distilled spirit made with at least 75% New York agriculture. Um, a little geeky there. And so our tasting room actually has the largest collection of other New York State spirits anywhere in the state. So we have over 200 other New York State spirits. We have like 25 gins, 15 vodkas, I don't know, 60, 70 whiskeys, uh, and a bunch of brandies and other liqueurs and things like that and random stuff that other distillers would make. It's about 40 other New York State distilleries. Um, so you can come in and, and it's very unusual. Because we're a tasting room, you can actually have a flight of whiskey 
and then go home with your favorite bottle. And in most places, when you get a flight of whiskey, you can't actually get a bottle at the same time. So it's sort of a unique experience, and, and it's really cool. Uh, same with Fort Hamilton. You can come in and you can try all of their all their spirits and, and, and then leave with a bottle to take home with you, which is, is it's kind of a unique aspect of, of tasting rooms. So um, that's one of the things that's exciting when you come to Industry City. It's not just, oh, I'm, I'm going out for a drink. We make amazing cocktails. Uh, in the summer, we, we, we crush it with our frozen mules. Uh, but, um, but you also can, can learn about spirits and you can, um, and you can definitely stock up your, your home liquor cabinet. So, so do you, if I say liquor before beer, never fear, cause I can drink beer all night. Is, 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 is that, is that a good way to start when I come to industry city? Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely, I would, I'm a little biased on that, but I would say that's a good way to go for sure. And then, and then, you know, sort of wind down at the end with, with some beer. Um, but, uh, right back up. <laughs> and then just in barrel age, we got so much good stuff in front of us. We have a lot more to talk about, but, um, Dave, tell me about the, you said there's a barrel aged, uh, stout that we're drinking. Yes. Yeah, so this is an Imperial stout that we brewed last year. Um, for the past year in Kings County Distillery Bourbon Barrels. Uh, so this we just released this, and this is also going to be featured next weekend at our Barrel Age Beer Festival up in the Bronx that we have, um, where we have 20 other breweries coming and, and pouring beer, um, and, and maybe a, a distillery coming. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, good. That's more than a room at this okay. point. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, but so, yeah, so this is, um, it's, it's, Really subtle, I think. This is that today is actually the first time that I'm having it uh, at a, on draft. Um, but I l- I'll let James talk more about the description of the beer if he wants. But it's really really subtle. I get a lot more of the bourbon on the back end than anything. Um, on the on the nose and then on the back end. But I, I, it's really really nice and drinkable. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I, if if I'm going to talk about it from that perspective, I pick up uh, certainly notes of Belgian chocolate, a little bit of cocoa powder. And again, with the bourbon barrel aging, you know, you're picking up some of those peachy coconut notes and very subtle, but uh, really, really nice. So sometimes when I've had some barrel aged beers over the past, I feel like they lose the beer and, and they're not always drinkable. This one is. What's the, there's a fine line. Is there a fine line in barrel aging, James? We want to talk a little bit more about barrel aging because we're here with whiskey barrels and, and, and small brewery. Right. I, I mean, I think. Alex would probably be a better person to ask about it, but there certainly is a fine line, but everything is pretty specific. Um, I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. There's there's certainly an art to, to aging and, and knowing when to pull. Um, I think it's, you know, much like if you're in the kitchen and you're a chef, you really got to taste everything. Um, and same thing, you know, with, with cooperage and, and your barrels, you know, you got to see where that liquid stands at that, that point in time. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio out here at Industry City. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. This is our first show of 2023. We're kicking off at the Drinks Mecca of Brooklyn in Industry City with Gun Hill Public, Fort Hamilton Distillery, and Barrows Intense Ginger Liquor. Um, I'm Jimmy Carboni. A big shout out to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It's our 14th season, and you can always support become a member at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So there's a great collaborative spirit out here at Industry City. Um, Gun Hill is, we're drinking a, a bourbon barrel-aged stout, and um, Alex from Fort Hamilton is just about to tell us about the subtleties of, of using barrels and, and aging. And, you know, they, they use it for their maple syrup. Now they, they've also got other things in the world. Yes, that's true. So, um, yeah, I think it's a lot about balance. Um, but you've got to remember the barrels are, are organic uh, things. You know, they what they contained previously uh, has a direct bearing on the flavor that's going to impart in whatever you put in there next. So, for instance, for the maple syrup that we age um, from Catskill Mountains, um, we deliberately age in bourbon barrels, not rye whiskey barrels, although we have obviously access to both. And um, the barrels that we we use are, because we make the whiskey, um, extremely fresh. Um, So we know that they have liquid in them. We know that that's going to impart a decent amount of flavor into whatever comes into it next. So in the case of maple syrup, we wanted to add more bourbon flavor to the maple syrup than rye flavor to the maple syrup. Rye's a bit more savory in style. Bourbon's a little sweeter, always a bit more vanilla-y. Um, and, and it felt like that, that um, addition uh, of that flavor to the maple syrup would be complementary more so than the addition of a rye barrel finish to the maple syrup, which would be a bit more peppery, a bit more spicy, and a bit more savory. Um, that being said, when we um, have like refilled the maple syrup barrel, having emptied it of maple syrup, I refilled it with rye whiskey um, because I felt like a little spin of sweetness onto the savory, peppery uh, edge of the rye whiskey would be more complimentary than the addition of bourbon into uh, and the addition of sweetness to the bourbon. So. I guess in my head that all makes sense, you know. know. But I think the point being, like what James said, is like it's kind of up to the chef, right? And what part of the fun of of building your own uh, flavor factory uh, is that you get to make these decisions and you can play around with it. And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're not. So Alex is the flavor factory guru over here. <laughs> and Dave, you, you've got some great people. I mean, over the years, you've had so many different great brewers at Gun Hill. Tell us about who's who's brewing here at Gun Hill Public with you. So we have Jeff Lyons brewing down here. Um, he, Jeff was working with us up in the Bronx for, for a bit, and now he's moved down here to be a little bit closer to his brand, Endless Life. Uh, so Jeff is really into... New York State ingredients, so it was sort of a natural fit to have him move down here when we when we opened up. 
um, and it also afforded us the opportunity to bring back Max Balkan up to the to the Bronx, um, who was one of our very first employees eight, eight and a half years ago. So it was, it was great to have Max back and also be able to bring Jeff and utilize his talents down here. We're definitely going to be talking a lot about uh, local malt, local ingredients uh, in 2023. And it's so exciting for me that you have Jeff Lyons here because we're going to do a show with him this winter. I know that Jeff and then also um, over at uh, Strong Rope, Jason Saylor, definitely two of the biggest advocates for New York ingredients. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, what Jason has done since he's opened has been incredible just to see the growth um, and also he's sort of been a pioneer for the rest of us to sort of test and see which producers are the ones that we all want to buy from. And so he's sort of been the guinea pig for everybody. And so he's, he's been able to really nail everything down and has been such a big champion of it all that it, it makes it easier for us to, uh, to know what to do. I mean, gosh, you know, hops and malt have come so far in the last 10 years, but you, you, you guys opened, you were, you were one of the first, uh, you had a farm distillery license in the Bronx how far is it common, and where are we at in terms of like the, the percentages of New York ingredients and all that? We're still at only 60%, and that's actually just been extended for another couple of years. Um, but I think that when the bill was first passed and it was 25%, and then with the expectation that it was going to get to 60 after a few years, I think everyone was terrified about what was going to happen when that 60% number came around, because number one, they weren't sure about whether a quantity was going to be available, but also what the quality was going to be like because truth be told 10 years ago when this bill was passed the quality wasn't really there particularly on the hop side of things and I think one of the, the benefits is that you now like 10 years ago you never would have seen a New York IPA that anybody would want to drink and now Jason does a revolving series uh, of IPAs with different New York state hops that are really really enjoyable and drinkable and, and something that you would put up against uh, with hops grown from other parts of the country. So that's a, a big feather in, in the producers' caps and the growers' caps, um, I think, for, for New York State. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And, and I think the big part about it, too, is it's... I, I think uh, success, you know, has you, you have to pat each other on the back. So uh, the, the producers and the suppliers... The maltsters, the, the hop growers, they're not going to really get better unless, you know, we as breweries are able to kind of support their endeavor. Um, and in turn, you know, once they get better, they, they'll help us make better beer as well. So it's it's a nice, uh, it's, you know, in the spirit of Industry City, it's, it's very collaborative and there's a partnership there that we have to respect. That's great. And Josh, you, you had also mentioned it. So you're a New York State distillery? Yeah. So, I mean... So uh, we have a farm license, and um, and we have done pre-COVID. We were doing monthly tasting room takeovers, and we do collaborative collaborations with other New York State distillers. So we did one with uh, Black Button up in Rochester. The guys from uh, Finger Lakes Distilling, uh, uh, Colin from from uh, Kings County came out. Um, we did stuff with Standard Wormwood, who's also at Industry City, um, and. Uh, who else did we work with? A um, few other folks. Oh, uh, do, do Good Spirits Prohibition Distilling up in uh, uh, Roscoe, New York, up in the Catskills. Uh, so we did a gin with them. Um, so we did some cool stuff there. And uh, we're actually talking with Gun Hill. We're really excited, actually. They're, they're our newest neighbor, and they're great. We love them. Uh, and uh, 
back to your naming about stuff, Fort Tug Condoroga is uh, my favorite of your of your brews. Uh, shout out to that. Uh, it's a good name too. Um, and we're talking- sounds like all the summer vacations I took when I was a little kid. You would you wouldn't have been drinking this beer during your summer vacation because this is a uh, a rum barrel aged barley wine, so it definitely was not a summer beer. So we, we actually are talking about doing a collaboration with them on a, a, a Ginger Ghost, I think is what we are thinking we're going to come up with. We're not quite sure yet, but uh, yeah, so excited about that. Yeah. And then for you guys, I mean, beer's collaboration, whiskey's collaboration, I mean, how, how far do collaboration have to go? Like, you've got a, a great brewer brewing here at, at Gun Hill Public and in Industry City. You know, is, is collaborations and beer still, like, interesting to people i think it is yeah i think it's interesting and i think you know one of the the big things for us up in the bronx was that we had such a we have such a big brewing system that we can't really take too many we can't really play around too much because if you're wrong you've got a lot of beer that you've got to you've got to find a way to move whereas here we can do a ton more collaborating on stuff that people in other places have been able to do that we were always curious about but never truly able to and so the idea of a ginger goes up in the Bronx would have been a very tough sell because we're like, okay, if we're wrong on this, how are we going to distribute that product? But if we do it here, well, and, it, and it's successful, then we can scale it up and do it bigger up in the Bronx. So this is a great little stepping stone for us too here. What size is your system here? Here it's two and a half pounds. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> I'm laughing because I love it. It, it. it seems like we're coming back to what, what a craft beer was all about. You said it's horrible, James? No, I said it's adorable. <laughs> but you're right. You know, in many ways, uh, I guess innovation uh, comes from being able to, to experiment and to have a smaller system and, and have uh, the ability to, to really kind of push boundaries and get creative about it is, is something we definitely embrace. And just you know, to talk about collaborating with our other neighbors, like if we were going to take their barrels and do something in the Bronx, it would 99% be a stout problem. Whereas here, we can do some stout, we can push the boundaries a little bit too, because the barrels are here and we know between our two places we can find something to do with them no matter what. So it's cool to be able to have this smaller scale operation that allows us to be even more collaborative and really have fun with these barrels and, and the product that's going into the house. So, wow, so you, you could, for example, do a ginger goes with, with barrows. Now, Alex, you know, my my true native speaker, um, who seems to know more about the New York State ingredients than anyone I've met so far, um, what, what's your ultimate beer to, to, to drink with your rye? And, uh, yeah, let's get you talking beer. Ah, okay. Well, yeah, I have been known to drink a few beers in my time. That's true. Um, I, uh, I'm a man of simple pleasures. I think uh, a, a nice crisp Pilsner uh, alongside uh, uh, a little uh, shot of whiskey is a nice way to go. Maybe even a lager. I'll go there. Um, th- there isn't really a wrong beer to have next to your whiskey, just to let you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I wouldn't do a white beer, you know. Maybe, maybe nothing, nothing Belgian like that. Um, although the banana bread could be an interesting complement to the whiskey. Um, but I, I just like a, you know, if it's a beer in a shot situation, I go with something light and crisp, a Pilsner, a lager. I did try actually the smoked lager that you guys made the other day. That was a fine compliment. Yeah, a little bit of smokiness. Go with the whiskey. Absolutely. Davey's smiling. I was smiling because it's a, it's a love-hate beer. And uh, it's not for me, but a lot of people, like I said, that was the first beer that we kicked down here. So it just 
chose the the the, uh, the exploration that people have when they come down to, to Brooklyn and Industry City. Yeah, I think well, that's it's a good point. I mean, I think we we try and make delicious products, but you know, there's something for everyone. I think in our portfolio. Uh, but what's interesting is when we go out and do tastings and liquor stores that we do most weeks. Um, you know, someone will come up and say, "Hey, I love your bourbon. I don't like your rye." The next person will come up and be, I like your ride, don't like your bourbon. You know, I think it just goes to show that everyone's palate is unique. And um, it's it's good to have a nice uh, array of products to be able to satisfy everyone with something. It's like the U.S. Congress, there's healthy conversations happening all the time with hate and no hate. But um, talk about drinking, uh, just beer and shot. I love that because when I think about I love a good beer and when I think of a really good spirit, I just want to have it neat with my drink more than anything else. Josh? Well, so to, uh, to carry on on that ex- exploration thing, I mean, that's one of the things that, that I love about the flights that we do is you, we do a Whiskey 101. And, and I didn't know anything about whiskey when I got into this. And what I realized was, you know, bourbon and rye and single malts are all very sort of different spirits. And just because you like one doesn't mean you're like another. And I'm not a big bourbon guy. And I was at an event, a bourbon event, drinking Pappy and and uh, others, you know, all the best bourbons, and I wasn't happy with any of them. And I was like, "What's what's wrong here?" And then I and then I had a single malt, I had a rye, and I was like, "Ooh, I like that." And so what I realized was that you know, for whiskeys, for me, I like ryes and I like single malts, but I don't like bourbons. And then, but I know other people can't stand a single malt, can't stand a rye, but love their bourbons. And so one of the things that, that's great about, you know, what we do is really try and educate people on those different spirits. Same with gins. You know, we do a, two different gin flights. We do an intro to gin and an advanced gin flight. And, and some people, like, Alex's gin is amazing, but it's not your traditional gin. And so if you're used to that really, you know, juniper-heavy, you know, uh, English-style, you know, dry gin, and you don't like that, well... And you try Alex's gin, it's completely different. You probably will love his gin. And if you really like that English dry juniper heavy gin, you're probably not going to like his gin. So it's it's one of those things where it, that's one of the great things about coming out to Industry City is you have so many different things you can experience. You can really educate yourself on the different palates and learn what works for you, what doesn't, and, and then take it from there. James, our advanced system. The Industry City Beer and Shot, what would that special be? What what Gun Hill beer and what spirit? Really? So what I will say, yeah, without giving away any ghosts, um, I, I'll, I'll go in the other direction and I'll give you a cautionary tale. I think uh, this was probably about 15, 15 18 years ago. Um, certainly, I've been, you know, beer has been a big part of my life, you know, my adult life. Um, and I've really kind of appreciated all different libations. Um, but I was with my cousin, and we were at a, a bar in the Lower East Side. I can't remember the name of it, but it was right off of Attorney. And we, for some reason, we decided we wanted to do some, some kind of artisanal boilermaker. And so our combination was a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which is a classic. I love that beer. It's one of my favorites. Um, and, and I had a shot of Maker's Mark with that, which is a fine you know, it's a fine drink, and I, I like it on its own. The two together is, is a very, very poor idea. I'll just say the least. So, so I'm on the same page as you, so what's the winner? What would my Industry City beer and shot combo be? 
well, you might just have to come to Intercity in a few months, and you know, we'll we'll have that conversation then at at an event, perhaps. He won't give it away. All right, you guys, back to the bar. I'm going into the bar at Fort Hamilton. I want my beer in a shot. Beer. Let's say that we'll start with the amber, the Ganil amber. This is simple, nice, nice little crispness. Simple amber ale. What, what, what of your whiskeys would I just want to drink with that? Um, that's a good question. Um, just tasting it now, it's delicious. Um, it's got a little sweetness, a little maltiness to it. Um, I think uh, a good foil for that would be probably the single barrel rye, just because it has um, a nice kind of chocolatey note to it that would uh, pair well with the maltiness of this uh, beer. Um, it's a little uh, drier in style, a little more austere than a, than a bourbon would be, so I think that savouriness would, would pair well with the slight sweetness of this uh, malty amber that we have here. So yeah, give us some single barrel. We do do one ounce pours, two ounce pours of every product we make. We also do flights, um, so you can taste all five of our uh, of our core lineup, including the maple syrup at the end, a little sweet treat. Um, so yeah, you can taste through it all and make your own decision. I'm a big fan of rye. We're going to be here on February 22nd, Wednesday night, doing a low-key rye, slow grains mixer with uh, some taste of cassoulet because beans are also a staple crop with some cool friends from Glenwood and Heritage Radio Network. And we're putting that up probably when the show's live. Davey, thanks for hosting that. But back, back to your bar. We're going to wrap it up with Fort Hamilton Bar. So rye, I love rye. I think rye is a great American and a New York whiskey in the last few years. Different uh, iterations and different small producers have been really turning me on to rye whiskeys. Rye whiskeys, the cocktails that you're serving. And, and again, you, Amy, do you want to tell us a little bit about your bar program and how that works? Are you only selling your, your own spirits? We do serve um, all of Fort Hamilton spirits. Uh, we do use some other New York products. Um, for instance, we make uh, Negroni and we use the Faccio Bruto and the Method Sweet Vermouth. So um, we do support all uh, New York brands. But yeah, we have our whiskeys. We also have our gin. Um, we have vodka. And, you know, we can't grow uh, agave here in New York. But what we can do is Alex has been playing around with some smoked poblanos. Uh, and sort of making an infused vodka. So we actually have a little spicy Rita. Um, but my favorite part of being at the tasting room is to watch people taste the gin because it's a love or a hate spirit. And a lot of people have that one night that they all remember. Uh, but this is a real citrus forward gin and it's sunshine in a bottle. And so people sort of start out with hesitation and end up with a smile nine times out of 10. So, um, yeah, we have, we have a full cocktail program. And like I said, we serve New York beers and New York wines. So there's something for everyone. Go-to rye cocktail. Definitely the maple old-fashioned. It doesn't get any better. And it's our New York maple old-fashioned. So I, I like to see that people don't, don't consider themselves or really just hadn't really been exposed to rye and thought about it. I mean, you know, just Josh made that point and to see people sort of taste it it's a, a really smooth it has a sweetness that comes from the, the oak and it's just it's a beautiful experience and to see people say oh i never knew i was a rye drinker uh, but i am now and then gin the the gin the the whatever american gin that really turned me on to craft gin was bar hill gin whenever that first 
came to New York eight, 10 years ago. And uh, maybe 12, 13 years ago, I was in Amsterdam at a little bar that, that actually one of their friends had a very small distillery. It was making old-fashioned Geneva, but also other small distillates from other different ingredients. I don't know, are you familiar with some of that, the true kind of gins? Yeah, Hanover is uh, the original gin style on the planet. Um, and it was coming out of uh, Holland. Um, it was uh, made with uh, grain spirit. It wasn't neutral spirit, though, so it still carries a lot of the flavor of the cereal grain along with it. Um, oftentimes, they would barrel age it. So it really um, kind of blur the lines between what we know now as gin, and London Dry style, and now New World International style gins, and uh, whiskey, because it has that cereal note in it. It was aged in a barrel. Um, so, but uh, you know, they, it, it kind of blurs the lines. Over the years, um, England became like the, the, the powerhouse for gin on the planet, and they made a London dry style, which was made with neutral spirit, um, which is effectively like vodka, something that's flavorless and odorless, which you're then layering layers of flavor on top of, which the predominant note has to be juniper. The London dry styles, of course, uh, only use seven botanicals, so they all taste pretty similar. Um, and they all uh, lean in very heavily on juniper. They all have a piney kind of woody note to them. Um, we, you know, being in America, we felt like we didn't want to do that. We certainly celebrating the Revolutionary War, somewhat ironically, because I'm English. But we certainly didn't want to make a London dry style. We're, we're in America. It's all our history now, yeah, bro. Exactly, exactly. So we, we wanted to lean away from that and into a much more citrus-forward style using... Uh, ingredients are available to us in, in America. So uh, freshly peeled lemons, limes, and oranges go into the gin. And it's great if you happen to be here on a day we're distilling. It smells fabulous. You know, we'll be peeling that fruit for a couple of hours before we distill it. Um, and it's just, it smells like the most amazing citrus bomb. Um, and then we use uh, cucumbers and watermelons because uh, when the British were marching north from Fort Hamilton uh, up to, uh, through Gowanus to uh, try and beat up the American revolutionaries. They, they found the Red Line Inn, which was right here, just down the road where, uh, where the Gates Agreement Cemetery are, surrounded by a watermelon patch and started stealing the watermelons. And that's how the, bat, the first shots of the Battle of Brooklyn rung out when they were captured, uh, when they were caught stealing the watermelon, sorry. So we distilled watermelon into it to keep the, the, the revolutionary vibe going. Uh, cucumbers is a part of it too. Uh, cinnamon, star anise, juniper, coriander rounds it out. But um, it's definitely not a London dry style. It's sweeter. It's made with new corn as the base. Um, so it has a richer uh, texture to it and a slightly sweeter uh, uh, underpinning. And the juniper, we lean into spicy notes of it. We don't lean into the woody, piney notes of it. So we cut the distillation off before it gets into that flavor profile. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty precise gin, very clean, fresh. It makes a fantastic cocktail. We do an incredible watermelon Negroni with it uh, during the summer. Here, we do an incredible bee's knees, which uh, uh, has the freshness and juiciness of watermelon and cucumber running through it, along with the honey and lemon. It's fabulous. Um, Got to try one. Davey did a nice job putting the show together. Originally, it was Josh... Amy and you, and then this quiet guy named Alex showed up. So uh, we really got the, the full flavor. Events coming up right now. we got February 22nd, uh, a rye, cassoulet, slow grains people mixer thing here at Gun Hill Public. May 27th, I'll be in the courtyard 
uh, out back at Industry City uh, with Rib King, NYC with Blues Bands. That's that's in the works. You guys are going to do an Industry City beer and shot thing. <laughs> and then one day you're going to tell me whenever you guys are brewing or distilling, because I'm going to start coming for an olfactory tour. <laughs> Sounds like the best smells in New York are happening when you guys are, are brewing stuff, right? It's going to be crazy. So to wrap it up, a quick question. Who has a question for another? Joss, did you ever have a question for, for Davey when he was first opening? Oh, you did, but not. Is this about like drips and locked doors? You got the inside stuff. I, I, you know, the inside thing is like, yeah, there's doors and bathrooms and shared spaces. What was your question for Josh? No, it's more like, how do you, when you're determining what kind of cocktails you're going to make for everybody, how are you deciding which of the New York spirits that you're going to use? Like, especially when you have such a, a, a wide variety per style. So, I mean, that's really, that's a, whole, a really hard question because yeah. you've got so many friends and so many favorites to do, right? Well, so, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's actually how we ended up with having 200 spirits in our tasting room because I'm, I'm on the New York Distilling Guild board now, but I've, I've been a member for a long time. So I'm friends with everybody. So I couldn't just bring in, you know, Brian's gin without pissing off Kevin. Da, 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 da. So I ended up in, you know, next thing I knew I had 25 gins and I had, you know, 60 whiskeys. So I just sort of went with everybody. And then in terms of who we use in a cocktail, it, it comes down to a, a couple of things. I mean, some people make spirits that, that are a little more affordable for cocktails and other people are making sort of more, more, uh, you know, expensive stuff so that, that doesn't quite lend itself to cocktailing. Um, so that's one of them. The other thing is there's just different flavor profiles. So it, it depends on what we're looking for for our cocktails and for that menu at the time. And, and we use, you know, uh, we have about a, a 10 cocktails on our menu right now. Uh, it's usually what we rotate through. And, and we will rotate through the different New York-based spirits give everybody as much love as we can. We try and we try, try and spread it out as much as we can, and, and don't play favorites too much. Um, so that's that's one way to do it. It's 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 a tricky mix, I gotta say. And and uh, shout out to our tasting room manager, Alex, a different Alex, uh, Alex Haskell, uh, who who manages that that tightrope very very elegantly. Oh, that's a good one. And Amy, any, any last words about balancing out the tasting room? Perhaps our our rye or bourbon, or any other styles of whiskey on the rise for popularity of the cocktails? Well, right now we just released, actually, uh, we've been aging in those bourbon barrel age, or we actually have a Madeira that we just released, and we also have been reutilizing the maple syrup barrels, and we put some rye in there, so it's a, a six-year-old rye, and you can come in and have a, a pour of that, and take a bottle home with you. It's a limited release. So always good fun. Yeah, we always we also have um, uh, a signature cocktail on the menu called the Liberty or Death, which, oh. is, the, uh, which is the rallying cry of Alexander Hamilton's Hearts of Open Militia. Um, and uh, he, uh, we, we used a car strength right in that one, which is kind of unique. Like, uh, only if you were making the stuff would you do something as ridiculous as that. <laughs> so we use car strength right. We make our own house chai syrup with uh, cardamom cinnamon clove maybe kudos for making that um, and that makes uh, an incredible uh, deep rich and strong cocktail and I'll be coming out on the 4th of July Alex is going to wear a tri-corner hat and uh, celebrate the revolution and a, and a bayonet I've got a musket and a bayonet in the distillery just in case anyone gets out of control 
It's not real. <laughs> you guys, this is awesome. Uh, thanks so much for joining me here. Davey, any last words? No, just come, come down to Industry City and uh, check out everything that, that all of us have to offer. You can really spend a lot of time down here and enjoy yourself. Well, big thanks to Dave, James, Josh, Amy, and Alex. We're over here at the Mecca of Drinks in Brooklyn, Industry City. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for joining us on Heritage Radio Network. It's our first episode of 2023, and we'll catch you next week on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.